Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For those of you who haven't been here during the month of October, we began a series called Synchronized Faith. And uh, uh, that you and I align ourselves with a thought or we align ourselves with people. And uh, both are dangerous when they're in the wrong place. So if I align myself with the thought that uh, I'm a bad person, God can never do anything with me. I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I grew up in the wrong generation, the wrong era. If I align myself with that or synchronize my faith with that, then those are things that will lead me and drive me in my life. Uh, At the same time, if I align myself with people like that, not just being me, but if I align myself with thoughts that other people have, then it will pull me in that direction. And uh, so I talk about synchronized faith. I would ask us today... What are we putting faith in? Who are we putting faith in? Because if you're putting faith in an individual, that individual will fail you. We will fail each other. That is a given fact. So I can't put my faith in other people, but I can put my faith in God. If my faith stays in God, I follow God. If my faith is in you, then I follow you. And so this is part three of synchronized faith. And I began with three thoughts that I think are critical today, which is, number one, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And why doesn't God answer my prayers? Those are all things that will begin to destroy our faith and pull us away from having faith in God. If I I can't figure God out. If any of you can figure God out, I'd love to spend about an hour with you. Because, I, I mean, some people say, well, I, I know we hear God, we do. But he's, the Bible clearly states his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we hope to be able to keep our faith synchronized with the Word of God so that we can, as best as possible, follow the will of God. Now, if you turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13... And when I'm talking about mysteries, everything remains a mystery. There was a a young boy named Johnny who went to Sunday school every Sunday, and he was really always intrigued by the the Sunday school lessons. And uh, the teacher began to teach on the creation of all things, which included the creation of mankind beginning with Adam and Eve. And as the Sunday school teacher began to share that part of creation, the young boy really leaned forward and began to listen as he heard the the teacher talk about Eve and how she was taken taken from Adam's rib. And so he was just real intrigued by that. So he went home that week and one day his mother walked in and he was he was laying on the couch and she thought he looked ill. And uh she said, "Son, what's wrong?" He said, I've got a pain in my side. I think I'm about to have a wife. Uh, So we don't always understand the mysteries of God. We don't understand. And 
And sometimes we get those out of alignment, out of sync. Johnny was doing the best he could to understand how God did that. And sometimes we're doing the best we can to understand how God does what he does or how he wants to do what he wants to do. And it's oftentimes a mystery, which is why we need faith. But misguided faith can take us places we don't want to go. So our faith has to be guided by the Word of God. It has to be guided from, through prayer and, and understanding as best as we can what God wants us to do. So Numbers chapter 13, uh, you may recall, it's the story of the, the spies, the 12 spies sent in to the promised land to see what Moses and Joshua and all the leadership had to consider before they were going in to occupy what God had promised to them. And how many of you know when you have 12 people, you have a lot of different perspectives. You have a lot of different opinions. You have a lot of different ideas and, and, and a lot of different fears. And some people have faith. And so we know the story. If you've been in church, if you haven't, let me help you understand. Ten of the spies weren't so excited about what they saw when Moses sent them in. I'll begin with verse 27. It says, they gave Moses, Moses this account. We went into the land, which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, and Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Understand that they're giving this account because all these tribes had a reputation. And so when they came back with that account, they wanted to specifically let Moses know where these people groups were because it might have something to do with their strategy. Now understand, faith doesn't always make sense. Strategy, the strategies of God don't always make sense. It still makes no sense to me that I'm back in Oklahoma City pastoring a church. No sense. I'm praying one morning, I'll wake up, and it will make total sense. But it is yet to happen. Some of you cannot believe you're at the same job 20 and 30 years later. It makes no sense, but you're still there. And the reason you're still there is because you don't have a release in your heart to be anywhere else. Your boss is an idiot, been the same idiot for 20 years. And I hope your boss is not here. But it says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Now, what was it, Joshua joined that, that opinion, what was it that Caleb saw that the other ten didn't see? What did Joshua and Caleb see that the other Ten spies did not see. Because throughout history, typically, there's an old saying, the majority rules. And so oftentimes, we synchronize our faith by default, not by design, looking to the opinions and perspectives of other people. And so other people would say, you can't do that. We can't possibly occupy the promised land it's ironic, it's called the promised land. God promised they could have the land. And now we've got ten spies going, can't synchronize our faith with that. And then they come back and they begin to tell this other million plus people, we can't synchronize our faith. They're too powerful. 
it's too great of an obstacle. Some of you have been there. We can't buy a home. We can't get a car. We, we, we're, not, we're just not going to be able to do the things we wanted to do because it doesn't make sense. So you synchronize your faith in, with an institution or with other people or with doubt, and you begin to follow that pattern, which is very, very dangerous, which is why it doesn't say Caleb had a different opinion. It says he silenced the crowd. There comes a time when your faith has to have an expression. It has to have a voice. The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, we believe, therefore we speak. Sometimes speaking is a frightening thing because when those words come out, you can't get them back. And when you say something that sounds ludicrous to the majority, you are committed by your words. And sometimes the only reason that our destiny does not take on shape is because we don't articulate that which God put in us. We don't express faith. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let us say those things because that is an expression of faith. And life and death is, is in the tongue. The power of life and death is resident in our mouths. Now, you may not be able to kill someone, but I promise you the words you speak can quickly kill your dreams and your destiny and your hope because you allow your soul and your emotions to overcome the Spirit of God in your faith. I know how easy that is to do. I'm divorced. I had an affair. I get it. My life, I lost everything, I, and God says, no, you didn't. You still have me, and with me, you have everything. I, I don't say that to continue to bring up my past, but I want you to understand. I am like the Apostle Paul in this place. I am the worst of all sinners. That silences you. Rick's the only one who agreed with me. Why? Because we all know we're sinners. We all know that. The problem is we say we have a hard time hearing. I don't have a hard time hearing it anymore. Because God said you have not lost everything as long as you have me. The possibility for everything is still there. But you have to play a role by synchronizing your faith with my word in order to get to the other side. Because there are a lot of people out of sync with me being here. And they have something to say about it. How many of you know they're like the ten spies? All of us have ten spies living next door in our neighborhood, in our families. We have those ten spies. And they despise the hope that you possess and the hope that I possess. I'm not here out of revenge. I'm not here to prove anything to anybody. I'm simply here out of obedience to God and synchronizing my faith with his word to me to get back here. I have people say, well, that's hard. You're asking us to do something hard. Well, maybe. But you know what? I think what Jesus did was pretty difficult. And so all we're doing is following our Savior. It's all we're doing. And we have to create this perspective. And they came back and said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Now, did you have a conversation with them? I want to know if the ten spies went up and said, hey, do we look like grasshoppers to you? 
We're taking a poll right now, a survey. Do we look like grasshoppers to you? Because we need to go back and tell our leader, because we're getting ready to come and kill you. And so we just need to know, do you think you can beat us? I mean, that's basically how stupid this presentation is by the other ten. They had synchronized their lives by looking at the obstacles instead of looking to God. It takes courage to trust with your heart, which looks overwhelming to your eyes. It takes courage. To trust with your heart that which looks overwhelming to your eyes. We all have mountains to climb. According to Mark 11.23, that you can speak to your mountain and say, move from here to there and it will be done. I would challenge us to synchronize our faith with the word of God, not the mouths of men. Things may not happen in the time that you'd like for them to happen. They may not happen as quickly as you would want them to happen. But we must hang on to our faith. We must continue to synchronize every day our faith with God. Now, in Proverbs thirteen twenty, it says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools comes to ruin. So you have 12 spies, 10 walking together in harmony and unity, believing that there is no possible way that Israel can go in and possess this land. So what happens if you're living with a, an unbeliever? Your spouse doesn't believe in God. You're working for an unbeliever. The way I see this, there were two voices that said we can take it, ten that said we couldn't, and guess what they ended up doing? Taking it. So it, it's not about the majority. Some of y'all looking for everybody to applaud you for what you're doing. You need ten people to tell you it's okay and two to maybe be naysayers. But with God, you really don't have to have anybody that agrees with you. If you're looking for someone's approval for you to obey the Lord, you may be waiting a lifetime. You don't need a majority vote. You just need to become the majority voice. And you and God are a majority. So, Jesus sees things differently, and that's what I want to talk to us about today, is getting the capacity to try to see things the way Jesus sees them. Number one, in the adulteress, Jesus saw a wife, a mother, and a daughter. The Pharisees saw something quite different, and I could go on and on, different words that would define how they saw this woman. Today's terminology might be they saw her as a whore. Who knows how they saw her? <clears throat> if that offends you, I apologize, but you've probably heard it throughout the week already somewhere television or somewhere else but that's what I mean sometimes we remove ourselves from language that provokes us to think that's how the Pharisees saw this woman but Jesus saw her as a daughter a wife and a mother now here's the point this woman had a choice to make when she's thrown at the feet of Jesus she has to make a decision she knew that the Pharisees were right she knew that. She, that's why she's coming going, I I'm dead. I'm going to be stoned. They're, they're absolutely right. Then you go, according to what and according to who? This is a new day. Jesus is messing everything up. 
He came to town, messed everything up because they had this neatly packaged thing called the law. And they had lived by the law. But how many of you know the Bible says the letter of the law kills? That's a capital L. That's not like laws, little l. That is the big ones. The letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. The challenge is because we are fallen creatures, we are more familiar and comfortable with the law because we know we deserve death. This woman knew that she deserved to be stoned. So now she's got to make a decision. Do I synchronize my thoughts with the facts, the law, or with faith and grace? Let me tell you something. Facts become a servant to faith when we activate faith. The fact is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We all deserve death. That's a fact. But because of grace and being saved by faith through grace, the fact becomes a servant to our faith. The reason you and I will not spend eternity separated from God is not because we don't deserve to be separated from God. That's a fact. But faith adjusts that and overcomes that. So this woman had that moment. So will she synchronize her faith with what the fact? Or will she synchronize it with Jesus and his faith in her? You see, the truth, little t, has to surrender to the truth, capital T. Remember in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the capital T, truth, and the life. Any time we're referring to Jesus by any name should be capitalized. Not that that's really a big deal. I'm just being a little picky here. But the truth is the woman should have been killed. But the truth stepped in to overcome the little t truth, which is what he's done for us. So sometimes it's hard to synchronize our faith with Jesus when we look and we say, I know what I deserve But Jesus steps in. Jesus steps in. Faith must respond to faith. When I was going through my difficult time and for 42 days studying Job, the first 42 days starting April 29th of 2014, God had me read the book of Job. Nobody reads the book of Job. Come on, man. It's like reading Lamentations. If you're reading the Bible through, you do, you do like the speed reading through Lamentations and Job. Nobody, nobody's blessed with Job until like chapter 42. It's got boils and sores and sackcloth and ashes and people criticizing him. And so I'm reading through this. And as I'm writing my blogs and my journal, um, God said, Mark, let me tell you something. I have more faith in you than you have in me. Now think about that just for a moment. God, perfect God, looking at imperfect man, going, I have more faith in you, your imperfections and your flaws, than you have in me. I want you to have faith in me. So Mark, the reason you're going through this, yeah, you messed up, but the reason you're going through this, I trust you. I have faith in you. Now, I didn't have that much faith in me at that time. I still struggle with that every now and then. Just about every day. Ten times a day. Maybe 24 times a day. 
Not telling you I don't. But this series is maybe the most important series in my life. I hope you all are getting something from it. I'm preaching to me. Uh, because I've got to continue every day to synchronize my faith with God's word and his will. She had to put her faith in Jesus. We'll either synchronize with the law or we'll synchronize, synchronize with grace. But you cannot synchronize with both. You can't. You'll be most, more conflicted than ever. You know, I, I gotta, let, me just, let me just go out on a limb here. Forgive me and I'll retract this if I need to at some point. But it's almost easier to be a total heathen or a total Christian. I mean, when I was a heathen, I, I was all in, baby. I mean, I knew I was dying and going to hell, but I had a lot of fun during the day and week. Because I was all in. There was no conflict with me. I didn't like God. As far as I was concerned, God didn't like me. Then I got saved and I started reading the Bible and I doing that I wasn't doing. And I became the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. I was crazy. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? And why don't I do the things I want to do? Paul's having this schizo moment in Romans chapter 7. We live there because now we have an understanding and to him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him it's sin. But then we're, we're covered by grace because where sin abounds, grace does more abound. This is messed up. Your worst enemy might end up living next door to you in heaven. Matter of fact, there's a really good chance. Because we, have, we condemn anybody that we don't like to hell because we just it helps us feel better. But we must synchronize our faith with God. Then let's look at little Zacchaeus. Wee, wee little Zacchaeus. You know, it's one thing, and I apologize to all you short people. We may not have any short people here today. I don't know. Because short's relative, right? I mean, in a world that's 5'5", five, five, if you're 5'4", you're a giant. Wee little Zacchaeus. But that's not bad enough that Zacchaeus is little. And he can't see Jesus when he's just standing in the crowds. He has to climb up a tree. In other words, Zacchaeus had to come out of hiding. And let me tell you how big a deal. We, we talk about this and we think, wow, it's really cool that Zacchaeus overcame his height. It wasn't his height that he had to overcome. It was the fact that he was hated. Publicans, tax collectors, were considered the worst people. Matter of fact, worse than Gentiles to the Jews. And the Jews hated the Gentiles. And imagine this, they hated Zacchaeus even more. And, and the real challenge with us synchronizing our faith is that <clears throat> we have to climb above sometimes our issues. So mom and dad having real, real struggles with their 8-year-old and their 10-year-old. Their and they lived in a very small community where the whole town knew who these boys were they everybody knew everybody I grew up in a town like that everybody knew everybody and these boys were just always in trouble and their parents just couldn't get them to change so mom and dad got together and the mother was you know somewhat spiritual neither one of them were really committed to God but they had heard throughout the community that uh, there was a pastor in town who had helped uh, uh, quite a few teenagers and children as they navigated through life. And, and so uh, the mom said, you know, look, I know we don't really believe in all this, but would you mind if I, I took the boys there? And the dad said, I'm at wit's end. Do whatever you need to do. 
So the mom called the, the pastor and said, you know, we have an 8 and 10-year-old, and, and they're just always in trouble, and we're concerned for their life and their future. And uh, could I bring them to you? And the pastor said, that'd be fine. Set up the appointment. Mom brought them. The pastor looked at the mother and said, I'd like to meet with them one at a time, and you don't need to be here. It's all good. And, you know, small town. If you need to go run some errands, go ahead and do it. So my mom left, and the 8-year-old came in, and the preacher looked at him and said, Son, where's God? The boy was kind of startled because he didn't expect that kind of question and in that tone of voice. And so he just sat there startled. Preacher looked at him again because the boy didn't answer. So startled. And preacher said, where is God? This time the boy is silent because he's thinking, if I don't give the right answer, this guy's going to hit me. Still no response. So the preacher gets up from behind his desk, goes over, stands in the boy's face, says, son, where is God? Eight-year-old got up, ran out of that office, opened the door. Ten-year-old follows him. They run home. They run into the closet, and ten-year-old looks at him and says, What's wrong? He said, God's missing, and they think we did it. Sometimes when we just assume that somebody thinks that we did it or we don't understand the question, rather than climbing a tree to see Jesus, we go into the closet to hide. I'm too messed up. I've got too much sin in my life. My life is a mess. My life is a wreck. And we go into hiding. Not Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus said, you know what? My community sees me as a publican, a tax collector, and a thief. Jesus sees me as a giver. If you remember, Jesus looked up at the tree in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down today. We're going to go to your house and eat. Jesus aligned himself once again. He aligns himself and synchronizes his thoughts and his faith and his will with an adulterous woman. And now he's going to eat with a heathen publican, pu publican tax collector. They hated Zacchaeus. In fact, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 17, when it talks about if you catch a brother in sin, go to him privately. If he repents, you've won a brother. The second step to that is take several people with you. If he doesn't repent, treat him like a publican. They use that word because that's how bad it was. When, some, when Jesus said treat him like a publican, or a tax collector, Jesus knew that that would resonate with the people's minds. That's how bad they are when they don't repent. And Jesus said, you know what? Y'all see one thing. I see something else. I see a giver. Remember this. Popular and public opinion is not always the right opinion. Once again, going back to the 12 spies, the popular opinion was we cannot occupy this land that we've been promised. That was the popular opinion. Ten out of twelve said, this cannot happen. This will not happen. Joshua and Caleb had to choose. Do we synchronize our opinion with the popular opinion? Or do we synchronize our faith with God's opinion? Or better yet, God's mandate? For some reason, we think we can measure a word from God through pros and cons. 
Most of the time when God speaks to us, there are more cons than there are pros. There's more against us than there seems to be for us. We get to choose at the end of your life, at the end of my life. When I stand before Jesus, you stand before Jesus, and those of you watching stand before Jesus. The beauty of it is, he's not going to ask me about you and your influence. He's not going to say, well, Mark, I'm so sorry that ten people persuaded you to disobey me. That was a terrible thing. I'm going to go smite them. Go on in. I'll take care of those idiots. No, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be as though God doesn't know you exist. When I stand before Jesus and you do, it's FaceTime. And I'm not talking about iPhone FaceTime. I'm talking about you're going to be able to feel the warmth of Christ's breath. He's just going to look at you. He's going to look at me. It's just going to be us. And I can't blame anybody at the end of my life for where I am at the end of my life. You may be blaming your parents, uh, your upbringing, your culture, something that happened to you in your life that derailed you, how you were mistreated and wronged. If all we do is look at how we were treated wrong, then at the end of our life, we're going to be bitter and miserable. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I want to live the fullness of this life. I want you to live the fullness that's available in this life. But the reality is that's just a little bit of a challenge sometimes because popular opinion oftentimes causes us to make decisions that synchronize with those who just have an opinion. It's not God's opinion of you. It's not God's opinion of me. There are opinions all over this city and actually all over the world about me by people who don't even know me. I heard things like, Mark didn't finish his restoration process. Well, I got letters from Craig Grishel, Live Church, my dear friend, Marty Grubbs at Crossings, and Rob Koch from Austin, Texas. I got letters. If anybody wants to know, I promise you right now, I did everything I was asked to do. Popular opinion is, well, you still shouldn't be here. Well, whatever happened to the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Does, does that word from God trump the opinions of man? does to me. I told people, I said, if you can find a reason I'm disqualified, show me in the Bible, I'll quit tomorrow. Because that would be a word from God. But when I read the word of God, there's not one thing about the word of God that says I'm disqualified. First off, to be disillusioned, you have to first be illusioned. To be disqualified, you have to first be qualified. I've never been qualified. And quite frankly, I don't know one pastor or preacher that's ever been qualified to do what we do. God looked down from heaven and said, this is the best I've got. That's just the way I feel about it. I, I, I know that, that this is all grace. I, I know that it's all God. I'm just, I just want to be a, I don't even mind being a pawn in his hands. Move me where you want me, God. Do what you want to do. My life's not my own. I've been bought with a price. Whatever you want, let's do this. I mean, I'll tell you guys, this is, for me, this is a whole different start than I've ever, ever started a church. A whole different thing. Because quite frankly, I'm just committed one day at a time. Because, you know, I could go be with Jesus tomorrow and not have to pay another stinking bill. I, I would just love to be in heaven watching OG&E try to get money. <laughs> See ya. Don't care. Gonna hurt your credit. It's great. 
If 50 million people say a foolish thing, it's still a foolish thing. The current opinion is not or doesn't have to be the eternal opinion. Don't let a, don't let a current opinion drive you because it's a temporal opinion and you have an eternal place. The last one is, and I love this one, in Simon the liar, Jesus saw a revivalist. Now understand when, when I say Simon, the reason I use that word because when Simon gets called by Jesus to be a disciple, Jesus changes his name. Now this intrigues me because in the middle of my crisis, I had pondered very seriously. And I thought, well, this will sound flaky, and I may have disobeyed the Lord. Just because I, my middle name is Anthony. I used to get teased in first grade, Mark Anthony, Cleopatra. And that was the day when all girls had cooties. No guy wanted to have a Cleopatra in his life. That wasn't cool, you know. And so it was Mark Anthony. And uh, so I thought about changing what you call me to Anthony. Just because I thought, I just want to get away from everything that was. And so Jesus doesn't see in Simon what everybody else sees in Simon. Now, I could have said Jesus saw a fisherman. That's usually uh, what we talk about is, well, how could a fisherman become a preacher? Well, it's fisherman's a great profession, and it was a really great profession back then. It wasn't a downstream profession. Actually, Peter owned his own business. It was called Peter's Fish and Chips. And so, anyway, um, it's what history says. Anyway, so, it's not in the Bible. So, Simon gets called by Jesus. Jesus says, now, I'm not gonna, you're not going to be Simon anymore. You're going to be Peter in the Greek, Petras. And Petras means, Peter, you're going to be a piece of the rock. Now, let me tell you why I think Jesus did that. Because Jesus looked at Peter's behavior, and he thought, Peter's going to need something to help him synchronize his faith with our, in our relationship because Jesus saw all the things Peter was about to do. Let me tell you, anything you've done, anything you're going to do, Jesus is not surprised. If you drive out of here, somebody pulls out in front of you, and you give them the count of one, Jesus knows you're about to do that. And so he knows that Peter is going to cut a guy's ear off in, in an emotional moment of anger. Jesus knows that Peter is going to try to talk him out of doing what the Father told him to do. Peter is trying to get Jesus to synchronize his faith and decisions with Peter's. Jesus said then, and I've never called me this, get thee behind me, Satan. So Peter had three names, Simon, Peter, Satan. <laughs> kind of like Catherine Zeta-Jones. I don't know, three names are special, I don't know. So he gets, he, he's, he's that guy, and then in Jesus' darkest hour, Peter denies that he knows him. <sighs> Peter just couldn't seem to get synchronized until one day. That's all it takes. One day, one moment, one decision. And you would think that Jesus would look at Peter and say, you're the last guy that I'll ever use. You've proven to be uh, have road rage. Uh, 
you've proven that you're short-tempered, that you, you have your interest in mind, not mine or not the people's interest. You're asking me not to die on the cross, which is the only way all of you are going to be able to see the Father. Then you're going to deny me three times, and you think you're going to preach. Guess what happens? Guess who was the lead guy that stood up? Peter. Peter. It was like Jesus saying, I knew you as Simon. I knew you as Satan. But I'm the one that gave you the name Petros, a piece of the rock. And he said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I have to synchronize my life, my thoughts, and my faith with those words every day. Because every day is a battle. You know, a lot of evangelist Christian leaders, maybe I was one of them in the past, that if you just get saved, everything's going to be great. But greatness does live in us when we get saved. And that's what's important because not everything's going to be great. We're all going to battle things, loss, sickness, moments of financial crises in our lives. We're all going to battle those things. And when we do, Satan comes to tell us, you're the only one that's ever struggled with this. You did a lot of things wrong to get here. I don't believe that. I think oftentimes it's just fallen man and God saying, Devil, in this case, have you, have you tried my servant Mark? Like he said, have you tried my servant Job? Have you tried my servant Rick? Have you su- tried my servant so-and-so? Have you tried my servant? You're one of those. Will you synchronize your faith with your failure? Or will you synchronize your faith with God's because you're his child you belong to him you've been bought with a price today we get to choose will you be one of the ten spies or one of the two there'll be discouragement that comes your way all kinds of things that come your way but in your darkest hour remember let the weak say I'm strong let the weak say I'm strong it's not a hypocrisy. It's not denial. Because facts become servants to faith when we believe. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that today is the day that you've made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. So, Lord, we synchronize our faith with your word, with your truth, not with circumstances, our crises, our difficulties, our challenges. Those will come. You said in the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So, Lord, in this house and those watching online and their homes, I pray, God, that today we would all choose life. We would choose you. We would choose to synchronize our faith with your words. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray for you, those of you that may say, Mark, I'm, I'm not a Christian, not a follower of God. So I'm going to pray this prayer. And those of you watching online, you can pray this with us. And uh, by praying this prayer, you are giving expression, you're giving voice to faith. And that 
is what changes everything. You believe in your heart, speak with your mouth, declare it with your words. Jesus is Lord. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today, I express faith in you. I know that I am saved by faith through grace. So today, I choose to become a follower of you. Amen.